If you've listened to almost any episode or training from us, you know that I am particularly obsessed with the concept of being legally protected. Unfortunately, I did not come by this easily, and I have personally experienced going through an IRS audit, being threatened to be sued, been hit with a copyright infringement settlement, and probably a few more scenarios that I've chosen to psychologically block out along the way. But now I can safely say that I've settled into a very legally risk-averse life, and it feels very good, especially as with Teak, we have a lot of clients with contracts, and it's just become something that is at the forefront of our mind for every transaction. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat and join us to talk all things travel and business. We want to start this episode out with a big old asterisk that we are not lawyers and none of this should be considered legal advice. Your business is unique. And the one thing that we will absolutely recommend is to work with a lawyer to review all of your processes to ensure that you are being as legally cautious as possible and protecting your business. With that being said, that leads us to our very first point. Jennifer, do you want to share a little bit on lawyer reviewed terms and conditions? I sure do. And see what we did there? We literally just put like a disclaimer in our intro. So you can tell we're already in this vein of thought of being very risk averse. (laughs) Like, I feel like we, again, we obviously didn't start off this way. I think it's very common in business to just kind of jump in and you're like, nothing bad's going to happen. My clients are so good. But like over the years, I mean, Jen mentioned some of the bloopers, we have been burned. So (laughs) if this scares you, good. I don't want it to scare you in a bad way, but it should. I wish people would have told us this a lot earlier in business because it would have, I mean, we would have saved some time, money, sleepless nights. You know, it was really 2020. Like I I hate that we like mentioned this and everything that we're like, we learned the hard way, but it's true. COVID taught us a lot of things. And I think so many more people came out of COVID being like, oh, I don't have any way of capturing signatures for insert literally anything. So that a lot of that is what we're going to talk about here. We have learned through the blooper reel, if you will, why we need these things. And we're happy to elaborate a little bit more as we go. But I'll start this out with first lawyer reviewed terms and conditions. And I will be completely honest that I thought that I could piece this together in the beginning on my own. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check out other people's. I'll pull from websites and I'll tweak it to make it my own. And the more things that happened in the business and the more I learned about what was included in my terms and conditions and wasn't included in my terms and conditions, I realized that I needed a reviewed and sound client agreement. And what I mean by was and wasn't covered is I would learn because I I would have a client have a situation and I would be like, oh, is that in my terms and conditions? And I would go and check out if it was in my terms and conditions because I had no idea what was in there unless a situation arose. And I was like, yes, it is covered. Or, oh my gosh, I just opened myself up to so much liability because it wasn't mentioned in there. I will share one 
I think was really overlooked and it's been overlooked in every contract that I've seen. It's not overlooked in our legal page contracts because I was really adamant about it being in there was contract air versus published. So like if you've booked contract air, you know that a lot of people can't upgrade depending on the airline. You can't upgrade. You might not be able to select seat assignments. You may not be able to change the fare to convert with points. Contract Air has a lot of limitations on what can be done post-ticketing. So I would run into situations where clients were like, okay, we booked economy to Australia and now we want to upgrade to premium economy because they realize they need that three inches of leg room to just give them some semblance of humanity. (laughs) And we couldn't do it. So they were like stuck in this economy situation until they got to the airport. And then people at the ticket counter would be like, oh, well, your travel advisor booked it this way. So you're not eligible for this. And it just made us look really bad. I had to explain this was to save you thousands of dollars because premium economy at that time was XYZ and you opted for this. So there was a leg to stand on. But making sure that's in your terms and conditions so that people aren't frustrated with you, they're still going to be frustrated with you. But at least you have something to stand behind when that does happen. Did you have any situations like that with like contract air or anything that fell into the terms and conditions jurisdiction that you were like, oh, thank God it's in there? Not with airfare. I just think when I first got started, I didn't realize published first contract air. That was nothing. Somebody sat down and was like, here's what you need to know when booking contract air. Because normally it's cheaper. So I was like, cool. Like they're getting such a great deal. And I think I had somebody mad that they couldn't upgrade at one point in time. But at the end of the day, it was only like a, it was a honeymoon to the Caribbean. She wasn't bomb necessarily not like a freaking Australia. (laughs) When are flights gonna become like I feel like if you're on a flight for more than like 10 hours, everything should be basically like premium economy at that. 100 percent It's not healthy. No, you're just like in a stock like a cattle, yeah, cattle stock cards. Oh my gosh, miserable. So I don't know. Off the top of my head I can't think of one, but I think we do block a lot of things out, if I'm being honest. like I think that there was a trauma response to 2020. And I there are things that I look back at the CRM and see transactions. And I'm like, one, I don't even remember that client, selective remembrance. <laughs> and two, I definitely don't remember handling it that way. And luckily, I think we handled most things in a very gentle way. Thankfully, you came from an HR background. And like I was in recruiting, so I had like the bare minimum training in terms of like HR and like what's legally okay. But a lot of people don't. And I mean, if that's you and you don't have that background, don't feel bad about it. But I think this comes to play where we're like, okay, would you DIY your trip? Don't DIY your contract. Like that's why there's professionals who are experts in what they do because like the way words are constructed in a sentence matters in law. So you never want to get into that hairy, scary situation where you're like, oh, I phrased it wrong. So legally it doesn't stand. So now I'm up you know, the creek without a paddle. <laughs> just you saying that like how things are phrased in law matters. And I'm like, have you seen that meme? That's like commas, ma- like grammar matters. And it's like, <laughs> do you want to eat comma grandma? Or do you want to eat grandma? <laughs> I saw that one time and I just died laughing. Grammar joke. <laughs> yeah, that's total geek joke. Okay. We digress. After growing my team to, we we had recruited like seven advisors at one time and it was like, okay, now 
they're all under one brand. They're not even their own brand. So they're all as my brand. And now I really need to lock it up because everything comes back to the umbrella brand, right? And yes, your errors and omissions insurance may cover certain things, but it does not cover everything. If you've ever spoken to your broker or listen to a podcast on what is and isn't covered on errors and omissions insurance, you'll know that there's a lot of room still for the advisor to be liable for a lot. That was the catalyst for me to actually pursue legal collaboration and go to a lawyer and write out what I felt was important and combine it with his knowledge. And I use Tom Carpenter. A lot of people are very familiar with Tom Carpenter. Love him. He's I think, very reasonable. He's also available fairly quickly to actually work with you. And he turns around things fairly quickly. So I really enjoyed working with him. I came to the table with bullets that I thought were important. And he kind of, I believe, maybe worked off of a standard template and incorporated my things. And then we met and reviewed it, tweaked again, and then we were good to go. What was more important about that meeting was not about what was included in the contract, but also how I was using my client agreement because there are nuances to actually how an agreement is signed or quote unquote agreed to that largely impact how things are worded. And again, asterisk, we're not lawyers, but there are such things as a click-through contract. So when you click through it and submit certain information. If there's a disclaimer there, depending on how it's worded, that may be legally binding because you submitted with that disclaimer in there. Definitely talk through what a click-through contract means with your lawyer because, for example, in TravelJoy, the direct invoice is a click-through contract. So I had to talk through and understand what that meant and adjust my verbiage accordingly. And then there is an agreement that waives certain rights. And typically, from my understanding of talking with Paige from the legal page, if you're waiving rights, you typically need that co-signed. So like as the business owner, I also need to sign and date it at the same time that the client does. And then there's a terms and conditions where my understanding, again, is that the client can sign and that be the final step in the process. So there are different variations and it all is impacted by how things are worded in the contract and the law that dictates what is appropriate based off of that verbiage. So you're going to want to make sure that your process, one, aligns with your CRM's functionality, and then two, the verbiage that you're using in that said CRM is aligning with that functionality. And I just don't think you can piecemeal that. Like that's not something that you, as someone who's not in the legal world, would ever be able to copy and paste that into a CRM and and make it work. Even if you look at another travel advisor's contract, you shouldn't be copy and pasting it. No, 100%. That's correct. That's like fraud. (laughs) That is definitely plagiarism. And it's taking someone's work. Like we don't, I I want everyone to think about this as a parallel, like invest in your business. This is probably to me, one of the most worthwhile investments that you can make in your business is protecting yourself and making your business actually a business. If you were to take a contract from someone else and not edit it, not get it reviewed, that would be like 
your client working with you and sending an itinerary and copying and pasting it, making no tweaks and assuming that itinerary is going to fit that client. However, what we're talking about is a lot, there's a lot more liability loaded in that, but you wouldn't want your client to do that. So don't do that with yours. There's again, there's a lot of room for error in both scenarios and it's just not appropriate. All right. 100%. After being in travel and then working with you and being a small business owner, I now actually read my contracts. Read your contracts. Read your contracts. I mean, I I think it's so funny that like Apple could update their terms and conditions to say like, you must give away your firstborn child to us. And everyone is just like agreeing to those terms every time their phone gets updated. People don't read contracts. And fun fact, Paige actually informed me of this, is that there is some legal liability on our parts to educate people on reading your contract. So there have been lawsuits that people have been like, well, I didn't know that I had to read my contract. And she's like, I mean, that's ridiculous. But there are situations where I would recommend, especially like in writing, in an email, or even in like a Loom video, if you use that to say like, please make sure to read the terms and conditions of this trip because there are certain nuances to your airfare that are impacting your trip. So I've started putting on my invoice in parentheses when I itemize everything on my invoice because I do itemize every single thing on my invoice, including room category, number of nights, breakfast included, etc. If it says round trip airfare from MCO to FCO, I'll put in parentheses contract air. And that way it's identified on the invoice that they're agreeing to book contract air because your client doesn't know if it's contract or not. They don't know what that means, but itemizing it and saying contract air and then them signing that terms and agreement that outlines the conditions of contract air, that is where you get the magic of feeling like you can sleep at night. Have you ever had an unhappy client and then immediately checked to make sure that your terms and conditions had you covered? If not, props to you, but that's not the case for everyone. If you're like us and you want to make sure that your client can't hold you financially accountable for any loss due to last minute cancellation, because of bad weather, a missed flight, a positive COVID test, or any other situation, we know they happen, then you'll be happy to know that The Legal Page has your back. The Legal Page is an online template shop run by a real lawyer, Paige Griffiths. She took the time to work with us and get to know the ins and outs of the travel business so that she could make an incredibly robust terms and conditions template. If you're ready to get legally legit, start with the legal page. Our link to the travel industry specific agreements can be found in the show notes. And definitely educate your clients on that airfare stuff. Airfare gets hairy, especially after COVID, especially with all the rule changes. Like I would say that's something that I would definitely give them a little heads up on. Like if they've booked published, maybe that's like whatever, but contract airfare, especially like they just don't know what I didn't even know what it meant. And I was booking it, which is sounds makes me sound like a horrible travel advisor, but I just didn't understand the nuances behind it. Like I knew the bare minimum and I just, I wish I would have informed my clients more because you know, that could have came to bite me in the butt. I mean, airfare is a whole literally a whole industry in itself. I know. And I know that some people only book business class and that makes sense to me. I feel if you are not getting a massive upcharge or a service fee, then it makes complete sense to be like, I recommend booking your airfare on your own. There are certain limitations that I can, I can simply not service. 
I don't know. I, I do understand it a lot more now. To me, I'm like, I want to be a comprehensive advisor and I want to help people with what's the saying? Soup to nuts. <laughs> it's like the beginning of a meal and the end of a meal, people end with nuts. I don't know, but I could be butchering it because that's what we do on this podcast. <laughs> we just butcher sayings. It's our MO. <laughs> oh, that makes me laugh. So that was my philosophy. But then again, then COVID hits and you have people that are mad at you and they're like, well, I could have done this if I worked directly with the airline, which was actually the case. There are a lot of situations that put people into a bind. So again, that could lead down a rabbit hole of what you can and can't talk about with insurance, which is another way to legally protect your business. Don't talk about it. Just always help them get it, recommend it, be the liaison to the travel insurance company, but you never want to put yourself in a position to talk about that because we had so many people being like, well, you said this was canceled for any reason. Why doesn't your insurance cover a pandemic? And it's like, I'm not a broker. And it almost made me not want to sell travel insurance because then people came to me to like file their claims, but you can't legally do that. Okay. So we'll pull back from that rabbit hole because I feel like we need a guest on to talk about errors and omissions insurance. That's going to make a lot more sense of what we just said, as well as travel insurance. I think a lot of people are saying a little too much and putting themselves in a position to be responsible for answering a lot more questions that they're simply not going to be able to. And it always comes from a place of helping. Like you just want to help them pick the best insurance, but by doing so and like you're opening yourself up to all this liability, which I didn't realize at the time. I know we didn't at, we used to say and recommend like certain travel insurances. And now after (laughs) things occurring, you never want to open yourself up to liability like that. No, we were just at, at Teak Week. And one of the advisors was talking about how one of her clients, she was helping them get travel insurance. And she was talking about how involved she was in selecting the plan. And I'm like, I stopped quoting a specific plan for this reason. This is just food for thought. And I'll be honest, I think this is something worth talking about with a travel insurance broker to see if this is legally sound. But I would always include, one, the recommendation to purchase insurance, and two, a hyperlink to my affiliate link through Mine Was Travel Insured. That way I was providing them and empowering them with the information and offering it and constantly reminding them in all of our workflow pieces and wrap up emails, all of that, just constant reminders. But I didn't want to quote a specific plan because I don't know their medical history. I don't know if the plan that I'm selecting covers what they need. So then if I actually quote a specific plan and it does not cover what they need, or it doesn't include bed rest and they get COVID while they're there, then am I on the hook? Because I didn't give them the most comprehensive plan and I didn't factor in their medical history. Like, I don't want your vaccine records. I don't want your MRI from whatever. I just want to give you the capacity of getting a plan that works best for you. So to me, that was the safest way. I felt the most comfortable in that. Okay, we're going to get back. That is, We really didn't even put that on one of the bullet points. So that's a little bonus. <laughs> But so when clients are signing those terms and conditions, usually what we did was in conjunction with that, they're actually signing an invoice. With that invoice, you are collecting credit card information, 
This always made me super, super nervous when I was booking travel because it just, I don't know, I wouldn't even pay for trips over public Wi-Fi. Like I had to be home in my house in order for it to feel secure. And I, I knew past agents who were like doing it over their phones. And I was like, I just get so nervous. So point number two is to make sure that you are using a credit card processor that is PCI compliant. PCI compliance means that your systems are secure and your customers can basically trust you with their sensitive like credit card information. And the biggest thing to know that all financial information should just, it should be collected in a secure way. CRMs do a great job of this, obviously. Some people used to take credit cards over the phone. That's a big no-no. You don't want to write stuff down. Some people used to send me their credit card information in a text message, which would literally give me like instant hives because I was like, that you might as well just post it on a billboard. Like who knows? <laughs> I'm a good advisor. I would never do anything with anyone's information, but it just, it made me so freaked out with like hackers these days getting super oh, crazy. Always, 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 you need to be collecting payment information securely and not transposing it to a vendor. There's a lot of risk that you're opening your clients up to by having this information in various places, which means like if somebody gives it to you over the phone and you write it down on a piece of paper and then you send it off to the supplier, what are you doing with that piece of paper? Like it should be shredded, but ideally you should not be writing it down. You should be having it you know, travel joy, you send them the invoice and then securely they input their credit card information and they're able to sign off. Like Jen mentioned that they authorize the payment. Gosh, it just, it it blows my mind. And I forget what we did because we didn't always have travel joy. And I feel like our other CRM didn't. It's it's wild. And and the vacation CRM people out there are going to be like throwing their hands up while they're driving and listening to this or something. But remember, it would not collect the security code. That's right. So you so had to the, email them. Yes, you had to email them and say, or text me. And then we don't like texting. So then if people are not at their email and a quote times out at 11 p.m., like this is the nightmare of, of this. And I can understand why people are like, you know what? Just give it to me over the phone. I've got you. I've got a live audience. I'm, you've got your credit card in front of you. Hit me with it. But no, think of the worst case scenario you throw that piece of paper away or that notebook goes on your shelf and you donate that notebook to Goodwill and you forget to take out the the piece of paper. I don't know. Like think of the worst case scenario of where that little piece of paper could go that has the credit card information. But then think of the worst case scenario that even if that is not a thing and you actually type it into the vendor while you're on the phone. Well, now you haven't collected the signature on your terms and conditions. So they've agreed to nothing and you've booked this trip with full liability and they haven't agreed in your terms and conditions that they agree to the supplier terms and conditions. So now you're on the hook with the supplier with all of this. It's just this like spider web of liability if you're not actually collecting a signature authorization and that being in conjunction with your terms and conditions and authorizing the payment. Because think about it. Like you're, somebody's trying to do a charge back or whatever. And like, you're going back and forth, figuring out like, did you authorize the payment? And all you have is an email from the person with their credit card. And you're like, oh, well, that's enough. No, that is not enough. Like they need to actually authorize it. So that signature line 
It's so, so, so important. If your CRM does not have a way to authorize the payment, I would go ahead and almost do like a e-sign genie mm-hmm. or something like that. Sign, send something over. It doesn't have to be a huge invoice contract, especially hopefully now you're, you're realizing that you need good beefy terms and conditions, but it could be something, just something that's authorizing them. Like once they give you that information, they're authorizing it to be charged because that's going to get and protect you in the long run in case a chargeback does occur. We actually have a client and a friend, <laughs> she's a client friend, that she got out of a chargeback because she was using TravelJoy. She had followed every step to obtain their signature at every juncture. And her terms and conditions were solid. And she actually won, which is baffling because let's be honest, like the credit card companies, they're always going to lean towards the client because that's their client and you're not. So they're typically going to honor the fraud over the defending of the fraud, but she was able to challenge it with her documentation because our workflow had implemented. So that's a shout out to our elevated experience workflow. She was using our workflow plus her terms and conditions. Terms and conditions don't come in this, but we do have our affiliate link and we'll put it in the show notes for our client agreement that we worked with Paige from the legal page on to get a beefy terms and conditions and you can edit that template, but it puts a lot out there for you to to have. So, I mean, I think that's baffling and that's just a testament one, to travel joy, but two, to having a finite client experience in general, and three, documenting everything along the way with your terms and conditions. Another reason why people might, you know, disagree with our like lack of phone picking up, talking to people on the phone, but this goes, it goes back to having things in writing too, throughout this whole process, throughout the whole credit card gathering, the terms and agreement, like all of that needs to be an email. So that's like a caveat, just email. It's not a way of getting out of talking to your clients. That's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to give you every possible way to protect yourself should something arise. Because I mean, COVID hit, everyone's calling me trying to figure out their trips and I'm having all these important conversations with clients and maybe I'm driving or like doing something. So I can't write everything down and then I forget and then I don't do what they asked. And it's like, well, it's on me. Where if it's in writing, I have it in my email and can sort. So that's not about payment (laughs) credit card processors. That's called discoverable. So anything like that's the legal term for anything that's written is that it's going to be discoverable. So anything that you want, (laughs) and I say this like asterisk, asterisk, because in HR for us, it was like, if you wrote notes on an interview packet, that's discoverable. So be careful what you actually put in there. Because if you were to put like, mom of three, then it could be discoverable and actually be for like discrimination purposes. So keep that in mind as well, is that you want in your CRM and in your email, everything should be discoverable and in a positive way. Like that actually only helps you. You want everything to be clean, written and authorized. So I, even if someone texted us, we would say, I'm out of the office. Can you email me? And that wasn't to be difficult. It was like, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. Truly. Like you have too many things going on in your brain at any given time. That's not even work related, just life and like living life related. 
to keep everything straight. And I don't care how good you think you are. It should always be in writing for your client. This is to benefit your client. And explaining that to them, I think is always going to get you major points as a true professional. Again, I'm not going to text my lawyer, my divorce lawyer. Like that just doesn't make any sense. So Robin's marriage is fine. Nobody worry. We need to stop saying divorce lawyer, maybe like an accountant. Back to payment card or credit card processors, what you also do not want is to ever have to tell your clients that they that you put their financial information at risk. I think it's always it's so scary. And I've had this happen before where a credit card is compromised for my client. So they'll come to me and just it was like letting me know. But then in my brain, I'm like, oh, was that because of me? Like, did something leak? Which you could be legally responsible to do okay. if your system breaches or like your system experiences a breach. And we were talking about this before. It was Vacation CRM, right? That had a breach at one point in time. And it ended up being fine for our clients. But I mean, things like that happen. (laughs) Even the most secure, what was it? Somebody had a breach. Last pass had a breach. Our like small business bank. Um, I don't think that was necessarily a breach other than like, it was definitely a security breach. We recently had 6k stolen from our bank account, but that wasn't like a bank wide breach, but like LastPass had someone compromise their security. It was fine. There wasn't any risk to go back to the VCRM. What happened was in between the transaction, they actually have like a, you can pay a vendor through the CRM. So once that authorization is in there, you can, they have a direct feed to VAX or something like that. And I believe it was in the transposal of information between the CRM to the vendor that there was the breach. So if anyone was using the functionality of paying vendors directly from the CRM, they had compromised the client information. We weren't using it in that functionality. So none of our clients were in that situation. And that's not to say anything bad about vacation CRM, like the most secure, the most secure technologies face this all the time. And it's just a constant war. That's why there's so much cybersecurity nowadays. But those companies had to go to every client they had used that functionality for and notify them and offer, I believe there's a financial liability to offer them some type of, I forget what it's called, but it's like some kind of like tracking and protection, social security protection for the next so many years. So there might be a financial risk to your business there from being required to do that. Again, that's hairy. That was like five years ago. And I don't recall all the details. Just you want to make sure that should that, because it does happen to the best of the security, whatever's the CRMs, but should that happen, you want to make sure that you're putting yourself and your clients in the best possible situation. Should security arise, you want to be like, here's all the steps we took to protect your information. Here's what's going on. It's an incredibly uncomfortable conversation, I can imagine. So just making sure that all of crossing all your T's and dotting all your I's ahead of time. And then lastly, we've been talking about hiring with a lot of our Teak Week people. And you want to always make sure that anyone on your team who is handling financial information has completed a background check a non-disclosure agreement, and if the law allows, a credit check. And that is again to protect your clients. You, you know, you're hoping that you're hiring like the best person possible. And when we hired Ashlyn to help out with Explorator, she was like, oh, I got so scared. I had to do a background check. 
solely because you need to know everything about the people who are representing your business anyways, but particularly if they are handling your client's sensitive information. I mean, because they get all that information, the passports, the names, the birthdays, everything short of social security, just about. You really, really, really want to do your due diligence on giving any sort of access to a VA, making sure that you have that security on the front end for you, your clients, and again, for yourself. Yeah. And there's certain laws around who you can perform a credit check on, but anyone from, and this, again, this goes back to HR days and this could have changed by now, but it was anyone with direct access to financial means of clients or the business you're able to do a credit check on because then it puts you at risk. Like if they've had fraud in the past, if they've had embezzlement charges or anything like that, it actually might not come up on their background check. I don't know how that may be expunged or whatnot, but if you do the actual credit check, you can, there's certain methodology and philosophy behind if someone's really in a credit bind, how they're more risky to your business of stealing money. That sounds really sketchy, but people are sketchy sometimes. Again, and we're not here to scare you, but also a little scared. Yeah. Cautious. You know, like knowledge is power. And once you know the possibilities, you can make a decision of what you're most comfortable with, which we should have put this as the the bullet after one up potentially, but you need to obtain a signature for every transaction. And this is going to like, people's heads are going to be spinning. I think some people do this, but I would say the majority of people will take an email and the client will say like, oh yeah, you want to add, like, we want to add these tours on, just charge it to my card. And it feels like a lot to create another invoice or the way I like to do it actually is add it to the existing invoice so that everything is on one transaction. So if you're using TravelJoy, just add an item, put it on there and then put the due date for the date that those activities are due and keep everything in one invoice so they can see their running total. But yes, I would have them sign it every time. And yes, I do have them sign the terms and conditions every time. Because one, what if your terms and conditions changed? Two, what if you're using a different vendor? And in your terms and conditions, it alludes to understanding the the vendor's terms and conditions. By obtaining that signature every time, you are, again, protecting yourself from that chargeback. So in a perfect world, yes, you are going to start your invoice with as many components of that trip as possible to reduce the amount of transactions that you have. So this was a main driver to me to start working with DMCs and vendors that could include all things in one invoice. Like Even if you're working with a wholesaler, they can put in tours things like that. Typically you might have to do like, if you have a paid dining experience, you might have to do that as a line item, but these vendors can typically provide you with a very comprehensive itinerary from flights, hotels, tours, transfers. And I tried to work with as little vendors for one trip as possible so that I could collect the authorization all at one time. And if I was working with multiple vendors because I was piecing it together, I would still try and collect all of that information at one time so that the client was still authorizing it at that single transaction. However, there are times where your client's going to want to upgrade their seat as they get closer to the trip. We all know this. They're going to want to add a tour. They're going to want to take away a tour. They're going to want to apply seat assignments because they're paid because they're on Lufthansa or 
British Airways or something like that, there are going to be these one-off things that we do have to charge a card for as the trip approaches. I think that's probably 90% of the trips, but you will still want to resend them that invoice and say, I'm sorry, I just have to get a, actually don't even apologize for it. Just stand behind your process and say, happy to do this. Here's the invoice. I require an authorization for every charge. That's really normal. Like it's not normal that you could just charge someone's card without their authorization. So if someone is annoyed by that, then that's the less normal scenario. Don't think you're inconveniencing your clients by taking care of something for them. All they have to do is pop in and authorize that payment. Depending on your software, there may even be a way where they don't have to re-enter it. They can just authorize it. With that being said, don't put yourself in a position of chargebacks. Don't open yourself up for liability that someone's like, wait, I didn't know those train tickets cost that much. I didn't authorize that because maybe they jumped in price or something like that. Like that is where it gets a little hairy is when there are price changes. So I would almost say like recommend talking to a lawyer about that. Like, so if I go to ticket the airfare and it's changed by $300, I think there's a moral obligation to let the client know. To me, my like window, depending on the client tends to be like 20 to $30. Like it's a pretty small window because anything other than that, you don't know their life scenario. Even if they're boasting the most luxury of goods, you don't know their, their credit card balance. To me, always, always, always just get that signature. And it's just respectful. I feel like people are never going to be like annoyed that you asked to charge their card. So annoyed that you asked for approval. (laughs) I know we just talked about, I actually mentioned like changing the itinerary there that wasn't necessarily specific to adding something on. But speaking of changes, Robin, this this one was like totally inspired by you because you came to me and you're like, listen, we're like canceling whole cars worth of trips here during COVID. What does this mean? Like it was so I got getting so paranoid. So point number four, get all changes or cancellations in writing and not just like email because so many things were coming through, especially like COVID. I, I want to move my trip back. I want to cancel. I want to do this. I want to do that. My biggest fear is that clients would come and be like, wait, I never canceled. And I just got really freaked out. Like 2020 just scared us in a lot of ways. But when it hit and we were canceling and we were changing dates or even changing locations of quite literally every single booking on our books, there just wasn't any sort of like precedent. So we had no history of needing signatures or cancellations. But like Jen said, these people just invested like 10K, 15K, and, and it could be 3K. More. Like, yes, yes. It could be any amount. They're spending a couple grand with me and I'm just canceling it or changing it or moving it around. It just felt weird. But like Jen said, it it just felt like (laughs) you can't text somebody and be like, I'm returning my new Tesla. Don't want it no more. Like I'll give you a drop it off of the lot. (laughs) Sounds good. It just, it doesn't work like that. And we found out that we weren't alone in this behavior, which is why we incorporated our change and cancellation request forms inside of the elevated experience workflow. Any advisors that were canceling massive trips strictly based off of an email or a phone conversation without as much as an electronic signature could be protected because again, it it came and it helped us in a lot of ways. Like because people do, it, it was panic. It was pandemonium. People are freaking out. They're stuck in their house. They don't know what's going on. And now I moved my trip. I'm like so scared. So quick Robin cancel. And then, you know, maybe a couple months goes by 
things are lightening up. And then they're like, well, I don't want to cancel. And it's like almost that fear response is like blocked out in their head. And I don't know if you had a, a situation like that, Jen, but I certainly did where people are like, oh, I didn't. I didn't realize it was actually done. And it's like, <laughs> you told me well, to do it. Cancel. Yeah. That, I mean, no, I agree. And you were the one that came to me, like I said, and you were like, okay, so I'm canceling this trip, but is there a way to like document this? Because I'll share a little anecdote and there's a lot more to this story. If you've ever been on a fan with me, I've definitely told this story, but essentially there was a scenario where the couple decided they weren't going to take their honeymoon at the last minute wedding on Saturday, come Monday, they're supposed to leave Tuesday and the groom wants to cancel the honeymoon. And it turns out that the bride calls me and she's like, you know, I am also on this honeymoon and you cancel this. And I, you can't cancel my vacation. I'm on this bank account too. And I'm like, actually, you're right. And I have him as a lead traveler. His name, luckily, this was far and away before I had sound terms and conditions and definitely didn't have a dang change form in there or cancellation form. I just like was on the phone. And this is what happens when people are too close to you too, like friends wise, is that I just canceled it because they're a friend. Well, by 3 p.m. that day, they had reconciled and they wanted to go on their honeymoon And it was to the Maldives and the ticket price had gone up $900. I mean, the fact that I could even get the airfare back is bonkers. And it was only $900 to go to the Maldives more is crazy. So I had split the PNR. I had given them ticket credit. And then we had to reapply the ticket credit to get the new tickets. But the class was sold out. So then, yeah, it, it was a whole mess. But the whole point of that is you need a signature authorizing that cancellation because she was right. I had completely opened myself up liability-wise. I'm not saying if you have a group trip that you need a signature from every traveler, but I'm also not not saying that. The way that we had it was like the lead traveler would authorize it on behalf of all parties. And it said like, I booked it for all parties and I agree to cancel it for all parties. So it was like, whoever had authorized the trip was also authorized to be able to cancel the trip. If you're listening to this in hopes of hearing a single nugget of information that could change your business, then let us share the one thing that transformed our days from scattered to streamlined, creating a defined client experience with templated emails, forms, and automated task lists. That's exactly why we created our Elevated Experience Workflow. Designed to work in TravelJoy, but easily transferable to other platforms, our program can help you skip the copy-paste routine save you from sending touchpoint texts on weekends, avoid missing important details, and protect your business by capturing signatures throughout the process. And if you're also thinking, that's great, but when do I have time to implement all that? Skip the stress and use the button in the program portal to have us implement your new client workflow within days. The key to loyal returning clients and the link to protect your piece is in the show notes. There were a lot of situations like that where people in COVID were like, well, maybe we want to cancel. Yeah, let's cancel. And then two hours after the phone call, you know, I've submitted the request to cancel it by email to the DMC or the wholesaler. And they come back and they're like, no, actually our call calmed us down. We want to go. And it's like, well, I just got a confirmation of a cancellation. And now that airfare isn't available. 
it is a mess if you don't get that signature for, to me, every largely financially impactful thing you do during your transactions of business. And it sounds, maybe it sounds like overkill to people, some people. I promise it's not. Just wait until you get that angry phone call or a crazy lawsuit and stuff. And again, Jen kind of gave a glimpse into all the things we've been through that got us to this point. But everything we're talking about here has a reason for being in this podcast, rest assured. That's the hard part is that it's just like travel insurance, right? Like people are like, I don't know if I need it. And you're like, well, you don't need it until you need it. And that's how all of this is. Don't book it. Yeah. And so you might not need your terms and conditions until you need your terms and conditions. You might not need to maintain documentation until there's a moment where you realize you needed to maintain all documentation, which leads us to our last point, which is maintaining all documentation. We said it before, if it's not written, it doesn't exist. And people are like, what about verbal contracts? I would say like throw that concept out the window when it comes to business, just get everything in writing to protect yourself. And I'm even talking about the way you do business now may need to be extra documented, not just making sure that people put things in writing by email, but something that I was not always great at admitting fault here was downloading, like if I had a Travify and I was sending a proposal, downloading it as a PDF, labeling it as proposal version one with the date and uploading that to my documents so that I had a track of everything that I had adjusted along the way. Because in our planning fee terms and conditions, it said up to three edits. Okay. I needed a way to document that I had made three edits per their request. But more than that, when they're in travel and they say, I thought we had confirmed a sea view balcony room, you can go back to one, that invoice that you downloaded or that proposal that you downloaded that they approved or agreed to that you attached in their email. I think hyperlinking and attaching something as a PDF, it might sound like overkill, but it creates a digital trail that cannot be altered as much as a live link. Travify, TravelJoy, Access, they're all live links. So if you change something, you've lost that digital tracking. And I found myself, this actually was COVID too, it was a golf uh, booking. And when the client approved the trip, I removed the payment amount, not the payment amount, but I, I moved, removed the cost and the terms and conditions from Travify to then put in the pre-travel details. So I thought I was doing myself a solid by getting it ready for them to travel. Well, they didn't end up traveling and then they didn't have access to those terms and conditions, nor did I have any record that I had provided that up front. So if I had downloaded that, and attached it to an email to him when I sent the proposal or attached that as the PDF when I sent the booking confirmation. I think that's probably the most powerful way of doing it is here's your attached itinerary that has been confirmed. And here is your downloaded PDF invoice as well, because even the invoices are live links in TravelJoy and those can be edited. So always create a hard copy. I guess that's it's not really a digital hard copy, if you will, of everything you do, because there was one time and TravelJoy fixed this, but there was a glitch. I had updated my terms and conditions. So I went to a previous client and they had a question that I actually did have to refer to the terms and conditions because they were disputing something. 
And it was reflecting my new terms and conditions, but not my old terms and conditions because it had adjusted all the terms and conditions across the board. And I hadn't downloaded it as a PDF when it happened. So in an ideal world, like their software should have reflected the old terms and conditions and kept that as that document. And I let them know they fixed it immediately, but that's just kind of a scary situation and an example where technology is great until it's not and things can happen and coding is funky. They were able to resolve it and I was able to pull back the original format. But if I had downloaded as a PDF, I would have never even needed that. Like I would have just been able to go to the email where I sent that to them in the booking confirmation and say, here's what you agreed to. Here's your digital signature. That would be it. So... I would highly recommend putting it in your task list, your process, whatever, however you document your workflow is making sure that you are downloading invoices and itineraries at various points and uploading them to the files, even if it says that that invoice is reflected in there. The last thing that I'm going to say, because we already touched on this, was your business needs to have insurance. This is like a little, another little bonus nugget that we kind of refer to about errors and emissions insurance. I had business insurance when I first started and I didn't know that as a travel advisor, I needed errors and omissions insurance more than I needed business insurance. There's not always this course that people take to become a travel advisor, like guilty as charged. Okay. I jumped in feet first and I didn't know that until I was a couple of years in. And then I like doubled down and got both. I was like, I will be protected on all fronts. If you don't know what you're covered for, you need to know what you're covered for. And ultimately, there are, like I mentioned, a lot of things that you as an advisor, even when you have the best insurance in the world, you're opening yourself up to liability-wise because you own a business. That's any business. So just know what you've gotten yourself into, (laughs) for lack of a better saying, when you own a business, just know the weight of the decisions and be okay with that. There's nothing wrong with it, but it is a weighty decision to own a business and to be responsible for hundreds of thousands of dollars, potentially millions of dollars, and to have the keys to the kingdom from everyone's security code and credit card information. Of course, this is not an exhaustive list, and there are so many things that you can do as a business owner to protect your business, just like many things in your business. These can feel inconvenient. Downloading additional things can feel inconvenient. Going to a lawyer to get some terms and conditions reviewed just because you changed one sentence can feel inconvenient, but it saves you from much larger inconvenient situations that you may not have seen just yet. We hope that this episode either reiterates that you're on the right track or gently reminds you what you need to do to make sure that you don't find yourself in a precarious situation. We're so grateful that you tuned in and hope that you are loving the content. If you are, we would be forever grateful for you to hop over to Apple Podcasts to provide a rate and review. While you're there, hit subscribe button so that you get notified every Tuesday when we drop a new episode. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the